How's everyone going? Now you can talk. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Um, all right, so today I want to get stuck into it because we have a lot to cover. Um, let's pray first before we start going through what we're going to go through today. Father Lord, I just want to thank you for the time that we get here once a week to spend time and be able to focus on your word and learn about who you are and what, how we can relate to you and how we can um, know you better and walk alongside you better. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every single one of us in this room today, that you would have a message for us and that you would um, help us understand what it is you want us to understand today, Lord. Pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, for today's topic, we are going to be talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. And if you guys know anything, it's such a good topic to cover in half an hour because there's literally not much to it at all. So as you guys will find, the aim of today is to touch on what's important, touch on what is fundamental. But I don't think this is something that you can cover in half an hour or a year or a lifetime this is probably the point of being christian is to continually learn about what we're talking about today so i've tried my best to kind of make the conversation started good but if you want you know really good bible references to go read by yourself tell me i've got them all here okay um i always find that this topic is not something that i've kind of i don't know a lot about it like i know a lot about it growing up in church but i don't know that much about it um, and I think I realized that specifically when I started researching more of like what I'm going to say today, I was, I was like, this is, this is huge. Like this is, this is everything pretty much. Um, because for me, a lot of my perception of what the Holy Spirit was, is just like speaking in tongues, prophecy, but like, you know, it doesn't matter who knows what you think about it. And then I just, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of what the Holy Spirit is, I just didn't attribute to him, okay? So I'm not sure who else is in that same position, but I find that, yeah, a lot of the conversations kind of skipped, but it's really, really important. Like, from what I've found is that it's super fundamental to what it means to be a Christian, and it's literally, it's intertwined into everything that goes on from the beginning of time to Jesus to us here in this room it's so relevant so the way we're going to cover today what we're talking about is in three separate kind of domains the first one's going to be who is the holy spirit learn about who he is and his nature and like you know where he's been what he's been doing second one is what is his role to you know what was his role in the past now same different we'll find out and then the last one is a little bit more practical is how can each and every single one of us engage with that truth that we've just heard okay so let's get stuck into it who is the holy spirit does anyone know that's the same word in the reverse order but true <laughs> who is he that's actually true though um no you're right <laughs> it is the spirit of god yeah um i think one thing to kind of just get around 
the fundamental, you'll notice I'm saying who is the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we say, what is the Holy Spirit? Let's just, um, as, a, as, a, as a basic thing, it's not a thing. And it's fair enough if you had that perception. I had it as well. Um, in fact, for me, what I've always kind of incorrectly be, like perceived the Holy Spirit to be is kind of a vector for God's will. So maybe the way God does what he wants. Um, or... <laughs> or... The Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the aircon. Um, or I kind of imagine it to be like, you know, you've got two phones and there's like Bluetooth in the middle and that's the Holy Spirit. It's like it just does the thing between the actual things. If that makes sense. But it's not. It is a thing. He is a thing. He is a God. Um, so... To start off, the Holy Spirit is a person, um, and he's a member of the Trinity, the Godhead. So along with the Father and Jesus, the Son as well. Um, and essentially, we know this because that's how he's referred to in the scripture. Um, and that's where we kind of base our understanding of everything to do with God. So you'll find, for example, in a lot of Paul's letters... He does little benedictions at the end, kind of like a little, I don't know how to describe it, it's like a greeting at the end. Um, and he always references the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit as things to be blessed through, people to be blessed through, rather. So, for example, in you know the, the benediction at the end of Second Corinthians, Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. They are all members of the Trinity. So, very kind of basic understanding to fix is who we're dealing with, not what we're dealing with, okay? Another thing that I would like to touch on is the timeline for the Holy Spirit. That's another misinterpretation that I've always kind of had. I always thought, again incorrectly, that the Holy Spirit's something to do with the New Testament in the Bible, you know, that's where it's like, he's relevant, that's where he came in, but it's not true, okay? So, um, following the logic and, you know, what I just said, um, the Holy Spirit is God, and if he is God, then he has the attributes of God, one of which is that he's eternal. So, that means he had no beginning and had no end. So, he was there from the start, and... That's absolutely true. When you look into the word, it's exactly what it's in there. Um, so I guess that's another misconception that the Holy Spirit is some is is is, a, is kind of like an agent that comes in into the new Christian, the New Testament, the Christian life. But it's not. That's not true. And I can show you that. So if we want to look and find where the first time in the Bible the Holy Spirit comes in, all we have to do is turn the Bible, the first page open, and we can read. Genesis 1, 1 literally says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So, literally, second verse, he was there. If we skip a lot and we go to John 1, it also says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. 
and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life that was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So just through these two um, texts, you, you, we already know from the get-go that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Son being the Word, um, are one entity, and they were there from the beginning of time. And we know as well, you know, as a side note, when God in Genesis, you know, makes Adam and Eve, makes Adam, he says, let us make men in our image. So I guess you can, I guess there's debate over that sentence, but it, it, a lot of people take it to mean there was more than one person. So God's son and Holy Spirit. Um, but essentially the spirit of God um, persists as a very active agent from that point all the way to eternity, um, till now and into the future. And I think really kind of key moments that I like to, I was using to frame my understanding of the Holy Spirit was one, when creation started. Obviously it was there before, but for us at least, the beginning. And everything in between till Jesus is baptized. And that's when Jesus receives the Holy Spirit without any limit. And kind of another reference point that I like that I feel like makes sense to us is when the Holy Spirit is given to the early Christians also without limit. But we'll see what the role of the Holy Spirit was kind of in and in between those moments. So referencing kind of, we said he was there at the beginning and I said when Jesus was baptized. So what's that about? If you guys don't know, in Matthew 3.13, it references a scene where Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. And immediately, it says, he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So I guess we'll, what we'll do is we'll delve into the role of the spirit um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And if that's the same or different. But the basic thing to know is that the Holy Spirit was present in full throughout. The difference was our access to him. That's what changes along the between, you know, before and after Jesus. Um, cool. And I guess I'll read one more little passage when I said that the Holy Spirit was given unto the early believers. That's in Acts 2, and it's called the Pentecost. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together, all the believers. This is after Jesus um, had left them. And suddenly they came... Um, from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided, um, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested each on them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues um, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you'll see the relevance of all of these, but yeah, we'll go through it now. But yeah, essentially, the work of the Holy Spirit is not meant to end 
at the conclusion of the Bible. It's the trajectory of it is kind of from the beginning to Jesus, to his believers, and then on to us. It's still active, it's still, he's still very much living and we kind of continue um, to, to experience the work of the Holy Spirit through our lives, okay? Another thing I want to mention is the nature of the Holy Spirit, who he is. So a quick note before we really dive into his role, um, a quote that helped me understand what his role is, is, says, it reads, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. I'll read that one again. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. And despite what some people might believe, it's not, he's not something that you can catch or kind of um, chase after. It's, he's, something that you, he's someone that you can accept and invite and accommodate into your life. Okay? Cool. So, we said, who is the Holy Spirit? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Does anyone want to maybe give me any thoughts? Surely anything? There's many things, but for one, convict. Yeah. What do you mean by that, convict? Like... So, who of what? Very sort of practical example. Yeah. You know, you're sitting at church and you feel like the message spoke directly to you or God is speaking to me specifically. Yeah, I agree, completely agree. Does anyone have any other thoughts? Like guidance and wisdom in certain situations. Yeah, absolutely. Any others? There's heaps of others, so we'll just go through them now. <laughs> okay, there's so many. Um, first, let's touch on what the role of the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament before Jesus came along, so we can understand the significance of what his role is now in our lives as Christians, okay? So we've already touched on one before, and that, that's his creative or formative role. You know, we know um, Genesis 1, it says, the Spirit of God was present as the earth was taking form and everything was being created. And Job 26.13 says, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. Like, so when we think of God, it makes everything. Yeah, so the spirit of God is present in um, and involved in the creation of everything. So that's one. Another thing is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit um, indwelled certain individuals. In the Bible, we see that. Um, for a certain purpose or under certain conditions. So, what does that mean? Um, when it comes to kind of the Holy Spirit indwelling person, like I said, that's basically relevant to him being able to empower them for service. So, giving them an ability that's beyond their capacity or beyond any human capacity, supernatural. So, you know, I'll throw some kind of names out there and then you think Samson and Delilah. So Samson had superhuman strength. I don't know if anyone that was as strong since or before. Um, 
And yeah, it's temporary. We know that because in Judges 16, 15, it, it reads, she made him sleep on her knees, that she's being Delilah and him being Samson. And she caught a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and st- his strength left him. So his strength was there because the spirit of God was in him. Um, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll go out as other times and shake myself free. Um, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. So, again, great kind of thing for you guys to go back and read into on your own. But essentially, Samson was blessed with incredible strength because the Spirit of God was with him. And he didn't think that it could leave him. But we see in the Old Testament that under certain conditions, he did. Our, the access wasn't the same as what we might know the Holy Spirit to be now. Another one was David. So, you know, in First Samuel, he's anointed and he receives um, God's Spirit. You know, it reads, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, him being David, in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So, he was anointed and he received the Spirit of God. Um, but he knows that he can lose the Spirit of God because after he sins with Bathsheba, he prays um, for God's Spirit not to leave him. He says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. It was, that was the relationship. It was something that could happen. Another and probably the last one I'll, example I'll give you, even though it's not the last example in the scripture, is King Saul. So um, he goes from, you know, in 1 Samuel 10, from being blessed with a prophetic gift through the Spirit um, to eight chapters later, because of his sin, um, It reads, the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing with Delilah. As he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand and he hurled the spear for he thought, I'll pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Cool. I think the point is clear what I meant to say. Another role that the Holy Spirit had in the Old Testament was that it provided um, a special revelation or a prophecy or inspiration for very ordinary people like you and me to author the Word of God. And this one definitely carried on after Jesus. So, um, But we know that, and that's significant because when you sit down and think, okay, well, Everything we know about God is written by people. Well, yes and no. Second Peter one twenty to twenty one reads, knowing this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That is what makes the word of God the word of God. Okay. So, a couple things that we've kind of 
looked at in terms of what the Holy Spirit was doing. What about what it does now in light of Jesus and his work, his death and resurrection? Um, what does it do in relevance to someone who is an unbeliever but is meeting God for the first time? So you could say at the moment of their salvation, kind of. The Holy Spirit, one thing it does that's so huge is that it draws the unbeliever to Christ. Or in other words, it softens their heart towards God. Sorry. In John six forty four, Jesus is telling us that no one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me, me being Jesus, draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. So when we think of, okay, so what's drawing this person who's never met God and never had any intention of wanting to meet God or accept him, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he does this through what they've said. So he does this through conviction. Um, So another thing that the Holy Spirit does is conviction of the unbeliever. That's his work. In John 16, 8 to 11, it reads, And when he comes, this is Jesus telling um, his disciples, him, when he says, when he comes, that's the spirit that he's promising, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the, the ruler of this world is judged. So, what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that after I leave to his disciples, which he does shortly, I'll send a helper, I'll send another. And when he comes, he is going to convict people who don't believe in me, one, of their sin. So, they'll understand the nature and the seriousness of their offence towards God and why that matters. Because I don't know if you guys have been in that position yourself or maybe know others in that position where a lot of what we feel is sin and offence towards God, they don't. It's just maybe they're right, maybe they're business, nothing to be sorry about. You live and learn, that kind of view. The reason after you meet the Holy, you're met with the Holy Spirit, that turns into, no, I've been wronging God, I've been sinning against him. That's because the Holy Spirit is working a work of conviction in you. The other thing he does is that um, he gives you conviction of God's righteousness. So not only of what your offense is, but what God's comparison is. You understand God, you understand his nature and his ways, and you see him for who he is. And then of judgment, because... You accept or acknowledge or helps you understand the consequence of how you've been living so far, which for anyone who doesn't know Christ is specifically that I've been living without knowing God and what's the consequence and how does that actually relate to me and why is that a big deal? So that's a huge thing that the Holy Spirit does. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does when we first are met with him to, or we're first meeting God for the first time is that he gives the unbeliever a baptism into the family of Christ okay so John 13 verse 20 
reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives me, wait, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Okay, so he's saying, whoever receives the Spirit, receives me. Um, And Paul refers to this through his writing as God's Spirit of adoption. So, which literally just invites an unbeliever, someone who's never met God before, to having access and fellowship with God and his family. Um, and yeah, Paul says, like, he, an example of that is in Romans eight fifteen, where Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So, just recapping. One, Holy Spirit draws the unbeliever towards God. The Holy Spirit gives the unbeliever baptism into God's family. The last thing is that the Holy Spirit indwells, indwells the believer permanently. Okay, and I guess that's huge, hugely significant compared to um, the Old Testament because, because of Jesus' work, that's what it means to have direct access to God. Um, and this is also why we, we say that when you accept Christ, you, the church or the individuals become the temple of God himself because literally the Holy Spirit indwells you and that's where he lives. So, yeah, the Bible says, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? Simple as that. It literally says it. It's not a cliche. It's not something we make up. So, yeah, those three things happen when you first accept God. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing at that moment. The last thing is, what's the Holy Spirit doing on my Christian walk? So... This might apply to different people, depends on where you are in your relationship with God, but for what I might assume is the majority of us here, you've known God and you've, you know, you're a Christian. How is the Holy Spirit working in your life today? So I do apologize, the next bit is going to be huge, just reading so much. Um, but what I want you guys to be doing, I don't want you to pull open, pull open anything. Like It's just bits and pieces. But I want you to listen and keep the question in the back of your mind. What is this saying about what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life? Okay? So, first is from John 14. He says, uh, verse 15. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So interesting to know, thinking, why? Why can the world not know God? Because it neither sees him or knows him. But... It's exactly what the work of the Holy Spirit is. It's working to draw the world to God. Keeps going, says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things 
and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I repeat it so you can catch on. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've taught you. Keep going. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. He reads, um, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of, the, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of, kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretations of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Just giving you a second to think, because it's huge. It, it's saying that each one, who each person who's brought into the family of Christ receives the Holy Spirit and receives with it a gift that they can use and they are called to use for the common good. Then Acts 1.8 reads, But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ephesians 5.18 reads, And do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, I'll go over all of this, but giving you a chance to internalize it. John sixteen thirteen. Jesus is saying, when the spirit of truth comes, that's the same spirit, he will guide you, that's us, into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Romans 8.13, Paul's writing, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons to whom, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Later on in the same chapter, he keeps saying, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches um, hearts knows what the mind of 
Sorry, let me read that again. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, so much, I know I just said, but the Bible is so clear on telling us what the Holy Spirit is constantly doing. He's so involved in your life as a Christian. He's not a peripheral agent. He's not really a side topic. He's so involved. Like everything you do from the minute you meet God is, has the Holy Spirit intertwined in it. So I'll summarize all these points that I guess come from all these texts I was reading. The Holy Spirit, as Christians, he's our advocate. He's our intercessor for when our affliction is beyond words, when we don't know what to pray anymore, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And that doesn't just mean being able to speak in tongues or being able to prophesy. It's anything. It's everything. Everyone um, is enabled in some way or another to serve God and they're in called to serve God in that way. The Holy Spirit makes us sensitive to our sin. So first, when you first meet God, the Holy Spirit makes you sensitive to the big sins. Oh my God, I've been, you know, fraudulent or something. I don't know. You just, you can tell this is huge. But the more you become intimate with the Holy Spirit and you walk with God, even the little things that break God's heart begin to break yours. You become way more sensitive to that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to serve, okay? Gives us the authority and the power um, as words leave our mouths and as we share the good news, as we go out and serve people in God's name. That's because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. Um, and because of that, we know we're not doing it in our strength ever. The Holy Spirit fills us as believers. And the evidence is the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll get to that. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God for us. So I think someone mentioned it earlier. Or maybe they didn't. Oh, it guides, guides us, like you said. Um, yeah. When you read the Word of God and it, it's living, and we say that a lot. It's kind of like a word we throw out. It's a living word. That's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through it. Um, and bringing to our minds and our spirit what is relevant and what is what God wants to say to us. The Holy Spirit guides us as believers, like you said. The Holy Spirit assures the believer of their salvation. Okay, so like we said, it says that we are adopted into God's family, and it's and the Holy Spirit seals us in that sense. It it reminds it assures us that we are God's children, which is huge. Because living in doubt about what God thinks of you is not the way this was intended. So I guess lastly, before I wrap up, I want to touch slightly on the idea more practically. How do I relate to the Holy Spirit? And how do I engage with Him? So, we'll start with the don'ts okay there's a few things more practically that you should know when you are 
dealing with the Holy Spirit. So what do you not do? One, you should not grieve the Holy Spirit. So that's one thing that the Bible teaches us. Um, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? You do that when you're acting in a way that breaks God's heart. So Ephesians 4, verse 30 reads, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, um, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you. So, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Two, don't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means don't attribute what the Holy Spirit does to the devil and his evil. Because Jesus himself says that that's an eternal sin. The eternal sin. He goes literally that. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. We should not quench the Holy Spirit. That's another one. So how do you do that? How do you quench the Holy Spirit? You don't follow its prompting. Say the Holy Spirit lives within you. If you constantly... It's not going to force you to do anything. It's not going to take over your kind of nervous system and make you walk into it like, <laughs> give this person my... It, he won't do that. He'll prompt you and he'll, he, he'll work in you to be more sensitive to that. But if you constantly ignore or refuse to follow his promptings, you're quenching him. And that the Bible says, don't do that. Submit to him and be open to his invitations. And another one is that we should not lie to the Holy Spirit. Um, you'd think this is obvious because God's kind of everywhere and knows everything, but it's not. A lot of us not just lie to ourselves, we lie to the Holy Spirit. And it happened in Acts, okay? And you want to read what happens to them? Acts 5. And they ask them and they drop dead. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, but just don't do it. Okay? But essentially, it's a sign that it says Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. He's really the one person you, you really have no use to lie to him because he already knows and he accepts you and he literally lives in you. He's, you, you want to be as close and as unified with the Holy Spirit as you can be. So these are some don'ts. What about the do? The, ba the Bible basically sums it up as this. Walk in the Spirit and invite the Spirit's work in you as a believer. How? Galatians 5.16. And I think this is really practical and one you guys should all just I don't know, read and memorize. It's pretty long. Maybe don't memorize. Just live it, Okay. <laughs> But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruitful 
But the fruit of the Spirit, which I mentioned earlier, the evidence of God's work in you, the Holy Spirit's work in you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So, you want kind of a little self-assessment tool? Sit down, think, what am I doing? Am I, do I show these things in my life, the fruit of the Spirit, or do I not? And if so, why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't, I encourage you to invite him to, to meet you. Um, we'll do now, I just, before I kind of pray and finish up, I want to take just a moment for each of us to reflect on all of we've said. Um, but just thinking about the, the realness of who the Holy Spirit is. Have you been convicted by him? Do you know him? Do you see the evidence of his work in your heart? Um, is he guiding you? Are you sensitive to his calls, to his promptings? Why are you not? Let's take a minute to reflect on that. And then we'll pray together and we're done. I just want to thank you for today again. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for how much it, you reveal yourself in it. And I pray, Lord, that through what we've heard today, we can all take a keen interest to look towards the Holy Spirit and how we can invite you to be more involved in our life and more um that we can be more sensitive to you and your cause, Lord. Pray that you'd help us learn about who you are through the Spirit. And I pray that you continue to work in each and every single one of our hearts in that way, Lord. Pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.